0: scholar podcast <clears throat> welcome to the podcast. I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around podcasting and, and what what we're trying to do here as an organization as a church and what I'm trying to do as a pastor and um, this is the unqualified scholar. And the reason I chose unqualified is because eventually someone will say, well, you don't have the right qualifications to talk about whatever. And it's like, well, I don't, I'll just admit right up off the front of the bat, I'm, I'm not qualified to talk about some things. I'm qualified to talk about a couple of things. And, uh, so anyway, unqualified scholar, here we go. I think that in a lot of ways, communication has kind of come full circle. If you remember, you know, your studies back in grade school, you talked about Egyptian hieroglyphics and, you know, it's a picture language. Now, I realize it's much more complicated than just little pictures. Like when I send a text message or when someone sends a text message to me and and I respond to them with like a smiley face, I feel like I'm communicating. Now, this is way more complicated than me sending a smiley face. This is an actual written language. And it has all the complexity of a written language and and it's really, it's beautiful. I don't read hieroglyphics, but if I was to read hieroglyphics, maybe we could find a smiley face in here. I don't know. But I do know a little bit about the Bible. And so I think that history is kind of repeating itself when it comes to biblical studies. And so hang out, we're going to talk about that a little bit. When the Bible was first written, most people were illiterate. They could not read. And so the, the thing that people had to do is if you read something, you were reading it for other people. You were doing it to benefit someone else. And so you read aloud. And this created an, an auditory learning culture. And so when you look back into the Old Testament, a lot of the Old Testament is what's called a narrative style of literature. A narrative style of literature is, is basically it's a story that tells a theology, a theological truth It teaches you. And so when you go back to Genesis, it doesn't say, uh, like, something we would be familiar with, tell me what God's like, and start with A and go to B and go to C. That style of writing wasn't even invented when the Bible was written. But we've always told stories. And so as the Bible was written, it starts off, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And so it starts by teaching something about God. And as people read that, as you read that aloud... Even people who were not literate, even people who couldn't read, could hear and listen to the story and thus learn about God. And so these are stories that taught theology, that taught who God is, how people should respond to him. And so um, this uh, is an ancient, you know, the Bible is an ancient text. It goes back a long time ago um, and, and into this oral learning culture where people are hearing and listening reading and writing was actually quite the luxury. And so this is an, uh, there are examples. Um, in, In the ancient world, when you wrote something down, you were using parchment, you were using skins of animals that were very specially prepared, and it was extremely expensive to write something down. And so you conserved space just as much as you could. You conserved space by not having any Uh, spacing or punctuation in the words themselves. And so because you didn't have this punctuation or spacing, you were able to include everything into the scroll or the the manuscript that you were creating. And so um, it wasn't until uh, and and so the act of reading was really, you had to figure out like as you're reading aloud, you had to go slowly and figure out where the words ended and where the punctuation, like where are the periods, where are the things that that stop sentences and start new ideas. You had to figure that out as you're reading so that you could communicate to the people who are listening and hearing you. Silent reading was weird and uncommon. It wasn't really invented um, right off the bat. Now we get accustomed to silent reading. You know you see somebody looking at a piece of paper, what are they doing? They're reading. But uh, even in the 400s, so Augustine was uh, an early church father who lived from 354 to 430. As Augustine was watching his contemporary Ambrose read silently, it kind of threw him off. Because now, rather than reading publicly so that people know what you're talking about, it's almost like you've created this private world for yourself. And why aren't you reading out loud? What are you hiding? You know, why are you being all weird about it? Maybe... uh, Augustine would have criticized him and said, "Well, you don't want to explain what you're reading, so you're doing it silently." So um, silent reading was weird, and it wasn't until words got separated, it wasn't until people began to break words apart, that reading became um, more of a com- that reading became more common for people. And so when you get to the separation of words, I mean, it takes, through history, you start with, you know, you go back into the ancient world. You go back to the time of Abraham about 4,000 years ago. You go back to the time of the New Testament about 2,000 years ago. And you get to the printing press, which was only 700 years ago. And so we've only had, like, the printed book and the written word uh, in the hands of relatively common people for a short period of time. And so silent reading has, you know, uh, kind of taken off in our modern world. We, We invented the printing press in the 1300s. And all of a sudden we had to have spaces between the words so that we could begin to teach reading so people could read for themselves. Well, it's fascinating. What happens when common people start reading is that they get dangerous ideas. And so what dangerous ideas could possibly come from reading books? Well, uh, the the kings of England and the, unfortunately, some of the people in the church decided that, well, common people shouldn't read the Bible because who knows what kind of crazy ideas they'll come up with. Um, we in the modern world, we, we think, no, we want you to read the Bible. We want you to become familiar with what's written in what Christians believe is the word of God. I believe it's the word of God. I want you to read it. I want me to read it. You know, and I I have a couple books in my library. It's still under a thousand. So my wife is very tolerant and patient uh, with the money that we spend on books. Um, But people get dangerous ideas from books. The Bibles uh, before 1600 included a lot of marginal notations, and so you'd have theological helps and guidance in those Bibles. But in the authorized 1611 edition, the King of England authorized, you know, King James, said, you know, you you can translate the Bible into English, that would be okay, but don't include any marginal notations because we don't want people to get uppity. That's a paraphrase of whatever he might have said. And so you have the English translations of the Bible, which are just incredible. Because now you have, like, when we get to the 1611, when we get to the the time that this is, we have a printing press that we can mass produce high quality, same copies of the Bible, and it can get distributed to common people, and they can read it. And that is just such, and and even if you're illiterate, even if you haven't been taught how to read, if someone in your village or town could read to you the Bible, then you could understand who God is, what he wants from you. And you could compare what you're reading in the Bible to the church. And this actually kicked off in the 1500s is when it really started. But it actually kept going and keeps going that the laity, the people who are not trained clergy still, you know, people ask hard questions, and that's a good thing, because they're reading the Bible. And so, in the 1300s, John Wycliffe was the guy who uh, is known for English Bible translation. Uh, William Tyndale uh, was also around then. In the 1580s, you have the verses that kind of become added. Uh, if you, yeah, um, if you go online and look for you know old Bibles, you'll find that some of the oldest don't have any verses in them. Um, that they were added in the 1500s. And so for the last 500 years, writing has been dominant that we as a culture and as a people, we have been um, we have been blessed with the ability to read even, you know, even people who aren't particularly educated, they can still read. And so I can remember, you know, when I wanted to learn something, it, it was always go pick up a book. Uh, my dad uh, was, was a great mechanic, and so whenever I bought a car, we, we've been you know fix-your-own-car people for, for forever, um, so much so that my little brother's a mechanic. And when I, I can remember when we wanted to go and get a car, we also got the Chilton's Repair Manual that went with your car, so if something went wrong, you could figure out how to fix it. But in the last 20 years or so, that's really changing. That's changing to something really different. How do you fix your car now? Well, now, if you want to fix your car, you go to YouTube and you find a YouTube video that tells you how to fix whatever's wrong with your vehicle. I've done it. And it's amazing. It's great. It's because now, you know, if I want to know how to fix my 2010 F-150, I can go online. I can find the exact video. I can watch, you know, of various quality. I can watch some Yahoo show me how to, oh, it's easy. Just do this. And then I look at it and I think, I don't think that's easy. It's, it's every bit as mystifying as the Chilton's Manual sometimes. How do you learn something in the modern world? You go to YouTube. And so our kids, my kids and my grandkids, are going to have to learn more how to discern good information from bad. And that's one of the motivations behind this podcast. I'm certainly not qualified to do everything, but I think I can help people discern good from bad when it comes to biblical studies. Now we still read. I don't think reading is going anywhere anytime soon, but we're starting to listen more. And so that's one of the reasons, like, I had to be convinced, hey, go start a podcast. Why would I start a podcast? There are better podcasts out there. There are smarter people than me out there producing great stuff. Why would I produce a podcast? Well, it's to help the people that I have influence in, the people who are listening to my voice for whatever reason. We still read, but we're starting to listen more because you can listen and drive. And as you listen and drive, you, can, you cannot read and drive. I'm a former professional truck driver. I, I can promise you, you cannot read and drive unless it's highway signs. You can do dishes. You can fold laundry. You can wrangle children. You can do all kinds of things and listen. And that's where podcasting has sort of taken off and sort of taken root in our culture. And so in a lot of ways, we've come full circle. We've come full circle from an auditory learning culture back to an auditory learning culture. Communication has has really taken us in a new direction, and so as a pastor, as a as a as a Bible guy, as a nerd, um, I have to flex too. I have to change so that I can communicate and continue to communicate in the modern world. And I'm I'm old. Uh, you might I don't know if you can hear it in my voice. I'm really really old, and I'm really really old. Uh, I get told that from time to time. I'm in my fifties now. And how does this podcast fit into ministry? Well, in a lot of ways, we're kind of getting back to hieroglyphics. We're getting back to communicating and speaking in emojis. This is an opportunity for you to listen, and I hope that you do. I hope that this this scratches an itch for you in terms of learning and digesting new content. But it's also an opportunity for me. So I hope you enjoy The Unqualified Scholar, as we prefer I hope you enjoy the Unqualified Scholar. As we get more and more qualified to read the Bible, as we do that better, as we think about how the ancient wisdom really continues to speak into the modern world, as we pursue truth and transformation to challenge the world, I hope you'll come along with me. See you soon.